The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. Nerdapalooza, the world's largest nerd music festival, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other fine Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. I'm Jeffrey Brown. I'm a cartoonist, and you're listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom. From comics and video games to science technology, if it's geeky, we've got it covered. And this is an episode of Nerdy Show Comic Show, our monthly show where we discuss the latest in comic book news, the books we're reading, and um, anything else that we choose to talk about. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Brian. I'm Adam. I'm Tony. This is Aaron from a comic shop, and now I'm in someone's room. Well, you're in the studio. Yes. <laughs> it's a studio. There's no bed in here. I was wondering about that, because... What if you have to take a nap? What if I have to take a Floor's carpeted. I mean, you could you could have read a comic written by I don't know Tony S. Daniel. Have to take a nap. <laughs> Why'd you do that? <laughs> you should know. You should I, know. I, I know why you did that. We're gonna get into that. So we're talking about we're talking about comics here, and and this episode we hope is gonna be less dreary than last episode. We you know we were informational. We did what we needed to do, but it was a bitter pill that we had to take. We were talking about everything that was going wrong with uh, DC Comics, and uh, well, there was a lot to cover since the last episode. It happens. Yeah. Before we d- get into far, we actually need to touch on it again, but it's gonna be a little bit more lighthearted. And also, we've got an interview in this episode with gail simone so which that's is happiness which yes. is happiness and happiness related to dc comics because she's back on batgirl and she's writing a new book that's great and she's going to talk to us about it yeah her whole movement yeah which is not a bowel movement no and also uh the green team the partner book it's not written by her i'm interested in that though it's a resurrection of a, a really old dc title um, right obscure as hell thing that they're pulling out of the closet but why the hell not it looks cool i like the idea of the two tandem type books displays wait a minute i haven't seen this from dc in a while what's the word uh initiative ingenuity some sort of creativity something something like that that. yeah some sense of purpose or connection to the culture outside of um sandadio's room (laughs) i'm sure it won't last This thing we were, we were sort of briefly touching on just back there, um, DC doing some more weird stuff. There was a creator summit, right? Yes. Um, tell me about how these creator summits go, Aaron. You know more about this than I do. They get people together and, and be creative, you know? And, and this uh, is where all the big ideas come from, like like their big arcs and stuff. Yeah, and the direction for the next however long for different you houses. Rip off a guy's arms. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But rip off a guy's head. Oh, genius. <laughs> Skull. <laughs> and give him tits. No. <laughs> that's prefer to go. You're at the wrong side. <laughs> and that's, that's the same thing from Alan Moore every time. No. It, okay. It's welcome when he does it. When he does it, it's interesting. I like him. Okay. But um, also he compliments all tits with penises, so This is fair. What was a big deal for this creative summit was all the negativity and all the, the retro solicitation, all the stuff where the solicitations were removed and all the creative shifts and all the negativity and, and all the like weird PR tour that they had to say like, oh, all these bad things happen and but it's all good now. Like they had to smooth this over with the creators, specifically the writers, because um for some reason DC thinks they can hire artists for their art style, but then hire a writer and tell them what they want them to write, which mm-hmm. is really weird to me. 
and assurances were made by Dana Dio supposedly it's that it's weird you know you can you can hire people you know in other countries to do that for you if you want to do yeah <laughs> i'm sure they have just as much a grasp on the characters as the dc editorial <laughs> staff does so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> A lot of promises were made, supposedly, and Dana Dio made a specific promise that once a story arc plot was approved, there would be no editorial uh, interference <laughs> in that, that, that arc. You hear, you hear uh, Brian laughing. <laughs> right. If they get a story arc plot approved, then they can write that plot and not have all the editorial interference to, you know make it so it's not what they want to do because let's work for hire and right. and they got hired to do that and that sounds um, perfectly reasonable tell me how dan didio <laughs> fucked this up uh, well it might not uh, be the dan promises Didio, were but... broken um and big guys left like diggle specifically on action he's following grant morrison grant morrison made that book from the start they needed a big name to follow him and they yeah. got diggle and, he, and andy diggles you know he's a big deal you know he did the losers he did a great run on hellblazer he did uh green arrow year one adam strange i mean uh, he's and, like it or not grant morrison's run on action comics was a big deal and uh and now it's over so they have to have some kind of a follow-up it was the only superman book that really had readability going on for it and i mean i know that was a stretch for some people mostly I'm, I'm looking at a lot of guys on flame on right now when i say that there were some you know brian loves him some grant morrison but everybody else mm, they're not not their flavor you can't argue that he had some great single issues oh yeah exactly that's exactly and you my can also not it. argue that action was and is a writer dominated book Absolutely. it was it was sold and pitched and everything was the writing of action so diggle he's an a-list writer you know he did the losers he did hellblazer he did all kinds of great stuff i mean his adam strange was amazing his uh green arrow year one was freaking phenomenal so he's on it i'm super excited i'm like finally i'm going to get a good superman you know we know snyder's coming in june or whatnot but like this is going to be great and the snyder's then, coming on action comics not not action oh, but superman, superman unleashed okay. um you know because the lobdell stuff i can't read it i can't read it's it. it's I, not good i i can't the omniscient narrator plus the thought bubbles plus so much dialogue that it's just ridiculous it's, it's a, a very burdensome read yeah I can't. Uh, anyway so this diggle thing which yes, it's yes, been yes, really yes. well promoted and um this most recent uh last couple weeks at dc there's been like a five page preview yeah, in every thing book it, every single issue and it says this. like uh this is a job for superman i'm like apparently not diggle and then it's like <laughs> i don't like bu bullies and i was like diggle doesn't like him either he walks away <laughs> and, you know it's just so ridiculous so, so it basically just summarized the writer of action comics the guy who they've been promoting like crazy walked off the book before the first issue even comes out yes his name's not going to be on it they're not even keeping whatever butchered script that, that he turned in they might but you know its name's not going to be on it oh, okay and the solution from dc was we're going to have tony s daniel write the first arc and he's like, and he's an artist yeah he has written stuff in the past his own creator own stuff and he wrote um what was it the dark knight book or what no detective he wrote yeah, detective and, and and that was you know i, a, I stopped reading it almost immediately yeah, he's an artist, you know, yeah. like, like my, my joke is what if uh, Tony Daniel walked off? Would they make Diggle draw it? What what the hell is this? You know, I mean, we we're sold a certain thing and replace. Well, see, everyone can speak in a complete sentence. And that is literally the only skill you need to write. <laughs> <laughs> that's what people in accounting or whatever and payroll and human relations or whatever. That's what they think. So you get video games written by programmers. You get comics written by artists. Uh, and it, it's a big disappointment. I mean, this was a majorly hyped thing. I don't see how DC can just PR this away with a little bit of like an interview with some double talk because they promoted the hell out of this with Diggle's name. Yeah. And, and he's not the only one either. I was about to say, what about the double whammy? Because this came within 48 hours 
of each other. Right. The Green Lantern stuff, which I was totally stoked about. Uh, Basically, every, uh, every Green Lantern book is getting a new writer all at once, which is massive because, you know, Jeff Johns has been on it for 10 years and mm-hmm. all that. And so there are a couple books that were going to Falkov, who's the guy who did a good job for subbing in for Gil Simone when that whole fuck up happened. Right. And he's a great writer. Same deal as Diggle. Seemingly, anyway. You guys know more about it than I do? Yeah, I mean, he would have been great for for uh, Red Lanterns and Green Lantern Corps. He's done a lot of darker stuff. He's done a lot of cool stuff. And um, I liked his plot that's solicited in previews, which, again, it's like these fans are so invested in this stuff that we pay for the order form to tell people what we want, you know? <laughs> and if the order form, which is previews, is not going to be accurate, once it hits there, it can still change and change for right, it's, editors' whims. And I mean, it's ridiculous. You, you get this book, you're soliciting things that don't exist because <laughs> apparently they're not, they're not doing them far enough in advance to sort things like this out. And it goes so far that they get the six-page preview for Diggle in the back of every single issue. Yes. That's insane. Wow. And and this Felkoff thing, it was... Um, they were linked. The books were linked. Guy Gardner has a red ring, and he's the Green Lantern Corps main character. And then you have um, Red, red Lanterns, Lanterns with Guy Gardner with a green ring and a red ring on it. And I'm Guy Gardner's biggest fan. And if anyone says they're a bigger fan of Guy Gardner than me, I will kick their fucking ass. See, because... that's what the biggest fan would have said. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am the greatest, the number one fan of Guy Gardner. And um, the rumor is John Stewart was being killed. And that's why uh, Falkov walked off of it because he didn't want to be the guy responsible for the death of DC's most prominent black character. That is pretty bad. And uh, I mean, I know they've got the Arabic guy now, but well, I mean, come on. That was They're just walking out minorities. And his gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my call when that book first came out, when I did that video straight out of Dearborn, mm-hmm. um, because he's from, you know, Michigan. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, they got a dark skin minority character. Now they can finally kill off Jon Stewart after they tried to kill him with a million cuts, making him so boring, you know, yeah. that now they can finally, the headline wouldn't be DC kills their only minority Green Lantern, it's DC kills one of their two minority Green Lanterns. <laughs> it's not as big of a headline. That's why I thought it was going on, but still, I wanted Falkov's Guy Gardner. Yeah. That's what I wanted as a fan, and that's what's solicited, and that's what I'm excited about. And um, this isn't as bad of a replacement because it's Van Jensen who did uh, Pinocchio Vampire Slayer. Oh, shit. And Van Jensen is... Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's great friends with um, Vendetti. You know, he's Mm -hmm. like always biting on his booth. It's like Pinocchio Vampire Slayer is printed by Slave Labor, but you see him at the, the top shelf booth at every con with Vendetti. So there's going to be a lot of good synergy with that. Vendetti, for reference, the uh, the guy who just scored the gig of following in Jeff Johns's, uh place on Green Lantern and also guy behind Exo Manowar surrogates. Oh, for the... Uh, <laughs> until something happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's not as bad as the artist writing the book, but still, you know, I wanted Felkov's Guy Gardner and I'm not getting it. So screw you, yeah. DC. Get your act together. I mean, we could say, man, why do we, why do we spend so much time talking about this? It's upsetting. It's, it's upsetting. really upsetting. Especially when comics these days are very much driven by the creative team behind it. Yeah, we're in love with the characters, but we've been burned so many times by these characters being given the it, shit can. It's, like, it's not, I'm not just frustrated as a fan. I'm just frustrated because it's like, this is a business. If I'm saying to myself, I could do this better than you. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was about to say, the fans have plenty to get upset about, but like Aaron, you're a retailer. I mean, these solicitations come out for months and they're pounded into everyone. Everyone's got expectations and well, then they you know, change shit. If you're going to plan a, an artist signing, a writer signing, you have right. to do it well in advance and you get previews and you see it and you, you line it up and, and you buy plane tickets. And, you know, I have Vendetti coming. And if Vendetti was off the book, you would hear me livid about that because right. I have that all lined up. 
So, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm glad I didn't line up Falcoff for a signing, but <laughs> hey, you could have him in to tear the books up like you did with Daniel Way. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, it, it's very frustrating for retailers. It's hard to market, obviously. I'm sure the marketing people for DC are freaking livid. I can't even imagine what they're doing. They have this job of marketing and, and putting that in the back of all the comics, the action comics, you know, yeah. diggle thing. And then suddenly because of some editorial problems, you know, like get your shit together, editorial. Yeah. Really? Go back to school and, and, and become a writer if that's what you really want to do. Stop pretending <laughs> to be just an editor. Let's, let's talk happy well, stuff. Well, well, I don't know. While we're on the topic of DC, let's not break away from it. <laughs> However, let's talk. It is a positive thing that DC's done. It's a dis- it's depressing, but it's been yeah. handled very this well. This is a, a good example of a writer having the power to do what they want to do and to tell a good story without anybody getting in their way. And that is the death of Damian Wayne. Um, I assume this, we're just going to go ahead and, you know, full disclosure we're if you haven't read this and if you were wanting to like read it yourself we're going to talk about it pretty candidly now you know i don't think we'll, we'll ruin it but we'll just talk about it usa as today it spoiled it you know before the book even came out over a month ago yeah with actual specific details on how he died that's you know, that sucks we're not too bad in this it's been rumored for a while and it still actually pretty pretty hard you know i haven't really been affected by a character's death but i really enjoyed damien just this really competent asshole robin he was endearing uh yeah like kid loki's endearing right and if they ever kill him i'm gonna be like even more upset probably <laughs> i really wanted the guy gardner or, damien team up you or know? turn him back i really home. wanted that <laughs> Give Damien a red ring. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. That would have been amazing. And it's weird. I had, this thought, I had this thought the other day. You know, I haven't read every Batman book that's come out since Damien was a fixture in Batman's life. And, and now I'm thinking about, man, I wish I'd taken the time to read those other Batman stories. Every every issue was a gift. Right. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, of all the different RIP books that have come out since then, one of the ones that hit me the hardest was Nightwing. Just because there was this relationship between Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne that was always hinted at. You got to see it developed a little bit pre-New 52 that it was kind of up in the air. Was this still a big thing? And just that issue was so... That was gut-wrenching. Because that's that's the loss of a brother with somebody who actually shows emotion. Whereas Bruce is sitting there and suffering on the inside. Never never mind the the dialogue between uh, Dick and Damian in the issue where he died. Like, that was just... Why don't we do this more often? (laughs) (laughs) Something about the youngest Robin with the eldest robin just it was perfect great and that's that's a tribute to grant morrison's writing it was just it was so pitch perfect and And did you read nine yet uh batman incorporated nine Mm -hmm. like oh man uh nightwing went like batshit crazy after yeah it happened like in real time he was there yeah and i mean they both did batman broke a sword with his foot his bare foot (laughs) bare foot That's some serious rage. <laughs> right. And uh, it was it was interesting going back to nine because we've seen the like the aftermath, the fallout where this is a fixture in everybody's lives, but to go back to right after it happened, it's it's reopening the wound almost. I mean Bruce, it was really rough for him. He had to break the news to Bat Cow, you know. <laughs> No, that really happened. Uh, I saw it. And it was amazing. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> Brian, have you seen um Damien Wayne's menagerie of bat animals? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. It is. It's good stuff. I, I hope that they keep me informed about what is actually going on with Bat Cow. I mean, uh, Batman just told Alfred to take a vacation because he didn't want to see him. <laughs> so in <laughs> fucking then okay, Bat Cow's dead. Bat Cow died too. Because I mean, then we see in the pre in the uh, like what detective Batman's been going out like not sleeping for a week on end. So he leaves. He says goodbye to Bat Cow. He leaves. He fires Alfred. He doesn't come back home that whole time. Now he's right. gonna come back. All Bat the animals Cow are will, dead. Bat Cow will have learned I, to feast on the flesh of the bats in the cave. 
I saw oh. um, Bat Cow on the variant cover of Little Gotham number one. It's like the moon and Bat Cow jumping over the moon and Damien's on it. It's all drawn by. Um, really? Yeah. It's, what? It's really cute. What? Yeah. That's okay. crazy. I don't know much about that book. The <laughs> no. fuck is going on with that book? <laughs> if Damien is jumping over the moon with Bat Cow, that means that Bat Cow is actually dead. Moment Maybe. Of oh, no. Moment of silence. <laughs> They're actually in the Phantom Zone. <laughs> <laughs> definitely down about damien's death but at least something's going right at dc at least people can still tell powerful stories and even though i've heard that it's kind of a, a late in the game thing like not all the writers knew damien was dying and they were kind of pissed about especially it especially not Tomasi, who is writes batman and robin which is batman and damien that's and yeah. he didn't know and it's like Ooh. what the f is this you know <laughs> yeah that's, that's bad someone fucked up yeah yeah it's like morrison couldn't pick up a phone the editor couldn't pick up a phone that was the go-to book to read Damien stories, Batman and Robin. I didn't read all of it, so it's the one I'll be going back to to get my post-mortem Damien fix. And, and the, the weird thing, too, is how it jives with death of the family and the death of Damien, that obviously death of the family happens first because Damien's alive and not dead. But then it's like, it just like some of it... It just kind of pulled me out of the story in a little bit because Bruce is like telling Alfred to take a vacation because he let Damien leave the cave and go fight and die. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was Alfred, it's like, well, I was in the manor when you let Joker break in and kidnap me and almost kill me. So I think we're even, you know, yeah. like I'm getting real manor, tired of your shit, Master Wang. <laughs> right. There's something the, that doesn't work. The manor between. obviously isn't that safe. You know? <laughs> and and it, it's interesting that uh, I, something I'd, I really like to like ask Scott Snyder about is he did, you know, death of the family and it didn't end on a death. And there's a lot of people calling bullshit on it because they didn't really understand what the book was about. Yeah, they don't understand metaphor. Right. <laughs> but then immediately afterwards, there is actually a death. And it's weirdly conflicting in a way they complement each other, but also kind of not. Right. So there's a definite disconnect there. I'm interested in how that really plays out as far as the back end of things. But I find it kind of comforting that Grant Morrison had this plan all along. Like in all the interviews that are coming out now, he's like, this was my plan. Damien was to die. From the moment he was introduced, which is right. exactly Morrison's tantric way of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. But then when he's in all these other books, then it becomes like, you know, why are we buying all these other books if even the writer of Batman and Robin doesn't know well, when I, he's going to die? Well, in that respect, you know, Grant Morrison, he's a very sort of metaphysical writer. That means that they were telling more honest stories because they themselves Ooh. didn't know. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Nice. It just works good. I mean, the falling out, like when a... When parents get divorced or when they, when they squabble or something like that, what's the cost to the child? And I mean, here got an Batman. airplane could crash into this room right now and we could all <laughs> die. It could just happen. I'm looking up now. Hey guys, this is Cap from the Future. Just real quick before we conclude this DC Comics discussion, if you want some serious DC truth bombs, look no further than the latest episode of Epic Piecast. Nelson and Schaefer interviewed Lucas Siegel of Newsarama. And he's got some killer insights about what's going on over there, including that Harper Rowe, the girl seemingly being set up by Scott Snyder to become the new Robin, will not become the new Robin. Other stuff there, too. You got to go over to Epic Podcast and check that out. There's a link on this episode's page. Anyway, we're going to take a song break right now. What we got here is a collab between Brandon Strader and two of our pals from Overclocked After Dark slash Overclocked Remix, Brushfire and Level 99. This is called For Great Justice, and it's inspired by Zero Wing, the origin of the All Your Bass meme. This track features the intended dialogue of the opening sequence, and then the medal that Zero Wing deserves. In AD 2101, war was beginning. I need a status report. Self-destruct sequence has been initiated. 
got an incoming transmission. What? Patching it through. Deactivation of command function override requires altitude clearance. You. How are you, gentlemen? We have successfully acquired your base of operations. Prepare to be destroyed. One enemy boss is trapped. How dare you! Your time has run out. Savor your final moments. <laughs> Someone's idea of a practical joke, right? Captain, what should we do? Arm every SIG for deployment. Initiate launch sequence. Open the pod bay doors. Justice shall be served.
So recently we were at Megacon. It wasn't exactly the uh, bells and whistles, fireworks and strippers kind of Megacon we had the previous year. I don't know. There was some dancing. Well, there was some dancing, but uh, we, we, we didn't have a booth. We didn't have a panel. Um, and all in all, Megacon was a bit mellow. It was a big deal, though, because they had the entire cast of Next Generation there. Mm-hmm. Except for Whoopi Goldberg, which I call bullshit on. You don't, <laughs> don't. just have Guinan, come on. <laughs> but it was a weird Megacon, and, and everybody I've talked to has said this. It was a very chill Megacon. It didn't have the same uh, density. Grandier. And I believe it was, the same, it was as big as last year, mm-hmm. but there was it was missing something. Uh, Stan Lee canceled. Mark Wade canceled. Mark Wade. Had a lot of cancellations um, just in the comics world. Presumed for some very awkward panels. Yeah. Presumably because they spent all the money on the Next Generation cast, they didn't pull in any kind of diversity from the rest of their uh, actor guests. And uh, the independent artists were still great. It just, I don't think there was the same sort of turnout. I don't, it was weird. It was hard to put your finger on what exactly was off about it. I mean, Saturday felt as busy as the other Saturdays I've seen, but Friday and yeah. Sunday were decidedly sparse. Especially right. Friday. Yeah. Megacon is the uh, is it the biggest? Is it the biggest you know, show in the southeast? The, yeah, they say I it's would. the biggest comic show in the southeast. But you know, because Dragon Con doesn't identify as a comic. It. Show. Yeah, it is big. No one's saying it's not big. It's just not. At least this one really wasn't comic. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like, more like the Star Trek: The Next Generation con. Right. But, but not even like a like a solid Trek convention either. So <laughs> remember when Jeff Johns was there? Remember when you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, and Dan DeDio, you know, bless his heart. I mean, if he's there you know there's going to be some panels that would at least be exciting to go to like when he was there and he's like who do you guys think is going to be the white lantern i'm like swamp thing and he's like what the fuck (laughs) get that guy out of here (laughs) you know he saw my secret notebook get him out (laughs) well and then also you know the famous booster gold incident with dan didio yeah that happened where um aaron uh aaron was in the bathroom with dan didio and Aaron was wearing a Booster Gold shirt, and Danny just said, oh, that's a cool shirt. What's that of? Oh, wow. <laughs> it really happened. That whole operation. I mean, there it is in the flesh. It's not us just randomly being, that guy's probably the douchebag who's screwing it up. No. There's some truth to all that. It seems like it for sure. But, you know, without editors on any Marvel or DC, and without really much of any writers... You really can't have lively panels, you know? It's I mean, true. You had some cool artists there. I mean, obviously, Frank Cho was making the circuit again. Man Connor was there. If Mark there's Bagley. a panel where the artist and the writer of the same book are on the panel, and yeah. they're going to have, like, a lot of good, witty stuff back and forth, I'm there. But when it's mm-hmm. just, like, an artist without his writer, it's a little bit like, uh, okay. I heard that the there was a, a really awkward X-Men panel. For the Claremont? Yeah. Yeah, I heard they confronted him directly about the hellfire club wait really yeah i didn't hear okay i didn't hear that i I heard it was just it was just an awkward uncomfortable thing but that sounds cool to tell the story yeah well Well, i wasn't there but i from someone who went there said they asked that someone asked the question specifically if he was involved in sex fetish clubs in new york and if that's what inspired the hellfire club stuff and he said no that's just a rumor and he's like well it's a rumor that's on google all over and we this is you know, something substantiated by a lot of other people that worked with you in the past. And he's like, that's just a rumor. And it's like, okay, but, you know, we understand that, you know, you're not kinky anymore because you're all old. But, I mean. Well, we also know everything that you've drawn and written, so. <laughs> well, I don't, it, it's, it's kind of too bad. I mean, one, it's, it's nobody's business but his. But two, he, you know, he should just live it up. Yeah, <laughs> why, right. why the hell not? If we all know, what does it matter at this point? Yeah. I think still the greatest thing about Megacon is the accessibility. If you do want to actually meet the creators who are there and 
hopefully, you know, they're the ones you want to see and they didn't cancel. Frank Cho, Gail Simone, yeah. even Claremont to an extent. Like, they're all accessible. Yeah. Walk right up, talk to them. I, I talked mean, to Claremont. And hell, I mean, the entire good. Neil Adams comics lineage was there and it was really easy to, they had, I mean, they had a more organized line than some others, but you could just walk up, say, hi, Mr. Adams, you know, I really respect the work that you've done right. and you are a living legend. Yeah. You should go to Heroes Con because you get the accessibility plus the lack of cancelizations. Yeah. <laughs> Heroes Con is win, a win. is a comics fans comic convention. It's a, sh- it's a smorgasbord. And uh, you can bet your ass that Nerdy Show is going to be there in a big way. <laughs> if, if you're thinking about coming out to that, that is that is the convention to go to if you love comic books. So And we will be there. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we talked to Gil Simone. She was available on the floor. We spoke with her. And it was actually a, a, a good chance to get her because she's about to embark, or maybe already has at this point, on a massive world tour. She's going to yeah. Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, a bunch of other places, I think, as well. Anyway, she's she's going all over. So it was a good chance to talk with her. And uh, we spoke a little bit about the new book she's got coming up. We're here at Megacon. It's Adam, myself, Tony, Hex, and uh, we're speaking with Gail Simone. Gail, how's Megacon been treating you? Oh my god, it has been so fantastic. It has been so busy and people are just full of energy and excitement for all the new projects for Batgirl, for everything they're seeing here. It's been really fun. I kickstarted your uh, Leaving Megalopolis. I'm very excited about that coming out sometime this quarter. It's like, what, April? Yeah, yeah it should be coming out in April. Thank you so much and thanks to all the people who backed uh, the Kickstarter. It's looking gorgeous. Jim is doing the work of his life. It's amazing. And the first 10 pages, the preview that's up at Kickstarter right now is so beautiful and moody and textured and scary at the same time. And you are just getting a glimpse. <laughs> it is crazy. Like that desolation is, uh, is quite complete. I'm really excited to see where it goes. With that story, you've invented a whole world of superheroes and, uh, and characters and so on. Is it, uh, is it sort of an allegory for what we understand as currently existing heroes or are these completely fresh Gail Simone originals? These are fresh Gail Simone, Jim Calafiore originals. I'm not a huge fan of, for myself, of superhero allegory. I much prefer to uh, create new heroes, and that's what these are, and um, it's been really fun because we've come up with some things that we haven't seen before anywhere, and it's crazy. (laughs) Some of the art that you guys haven't seen yet that I've seen has actually given me nightmares, even though I wrote the scenes that the art is based on. (laughs) (laughs) Like any good suspense story, just because you know that the guy's coming, it's the anticipation that builds and creates that sense of... (laughs) Well, this is a survival horror, so there is a lot of of moments, and a lot of people are asking me, well, is it like Walking Dead? It's not like Walking Dead. It's a survival horror, but it's um, something completely different. It's very haunting and beautiful and brutal and sexy and violent and all those things together that focuses on a very small band of people trying to get the hell out of Megalopolis. It's a very personal story. I got a question. I mean, uh, Red Sonia coming up. (laughs) I'm so excited for that. I was just curious. I mean, that's with Dynamite. What kind of voice are you looking to bring to this character that, I mean, it's a flashy character, (laughs) right? So, I mean, is it challenging to bring your own voice to this character or... I wouldn't call it challenging. I would call it having a blast because I have loved Red Sonja as a character for a long time. I'm not a fan of some aspects, some ways that she's been portrayed, but um, some I've really liked, and I really like the early Robert E. Howard. She's much stronger, much more in control of her own destiny and, and stuff like that. And I've always loved Barbarian comics. I've put them in Wonder Woman. I put them in Secret Six. I put them in All New Adam. 
And so to be able to actually write like a real long barbarian story is really exciting for me because we want to be able to smell the body odor yes. and feel the <laughs> dust and the blood caking and the heads rolling and the alcohol flowing and all of that. And um, I just am having, it's one of those books where I literally think I'm sitting down to write two pages just you know, to like clear my mind or two pages before I finally nod off to sleep. And then I look up and it's 12 pages later because I've gotten that immersed and that had that much fun writing it. I'm not like looking at my clock going, well, my time's up, I'm done writing for the night. It's like just, you know, really fun. That's really cool. I, I read Red Sonia for a while when Dynamite started and the book was relatively inconsistent with it. So I'm really always eager to see, you know, new people come on it and change things up. And it sounds like your Red Sonia is where I've always wanted it to be, so that, that's very, very, very awesome. Well, she's badass, that's for sure, and there's also this set of twins that think that she needs them to protect her, and so they're really fun and funny and aggravating to her and everything, and she's going to be, you know, one of the things I do love to do in comics is put these characters in like the worst possible situation they've ever been in that they can't possibly get out of or that they've never been in before and Red Sonia definitely comes up against this. You mentioned something uh, yesterday about uh, the variant covers of Red Sonia that I thought was really cool. Could you uh, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> we have some of the top female artists in the industry doing the covers for this book and that includes Nicholas Scott, Amanda Connor. Fiona Staples, Stephanie Basima, Colleen Duran, and the list goes on and on. And so you can go online and see some of those, but every single one of them has been fantastic. They are sexy, they're story-related, they have something to say, and the, the really fun part was finding out that these female artists were like closet fans of Red Sonia <laughs> and also excited to draw Red Sonia and everyone wants to draw Red Sonia in the chainmail bikini which I find hilarious and awesome. <laughs> One of the uh, most anticipated books for DC in the near future is The Movement and I think that the uh, premise especially in the wake of all the the Batgirl trauma and everything everybody's really excited to see you running a book that uh, promises to be balls to the wall. <laughs> yeah, the movement is something completely different from what DC's published. And I think the people that like the authority in the day, that like Secret Six, that want to read something completely new and edgy, they will like this book. This book is in part of the DC Edge line, and I would say that it's more edgy than Secret Six. It's basically a group of young teens, 17 to 22, who are dirt poor, pissed off, and have superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> so we have um, a cast of six, and I'll reveal the names right now. I won't tell you much about them, but uh, we have Virtue, Burden, Mouse, Tremor, Catharsis, and Vengeance Moth. And they all have brand new powers, brand new characters. And it's been really fun for me and interesting because... These kids are dealing with um, situations and concerns that the youth of today have. It's kind of like if the Teen Titans were created now, this is kind of what the movement is. It's an adventure comic, but it's not talking about sock hops and barn dances and things like that. It's, <laughs> it's talking about global situations and how do we get everybody involved globally to take down this corporation that's corrupt or this local police department that's... Uh, you know, abusing their power and how do we watch and I don't want to give away too much, but how these kids 
go about taking care of what they think is, is wrong. And uh, frankly, they're not always right. Sometimes they're misguided. <laughs> In a quote you gave about this book, you said you've been thinking about it for a long time. And I was wondering, does it actually predate the Occupy movement? How long have you been thinking about this, in fact? I've been thinking about it for a long time, and it does predate it in terms of thinking about these different characters, thinking about doing something young with this type of an edge to it. I wanted to do it for a long time because sometimes it's frustrating to me that we're not telling stories always that I think are what people are really immersed in and although these kids have superpowers and and you know this is a comic book story it's an adventure Julie story um, we're talking about some real world problems that actually do go on and you know my son's in college I am at the college a lot I'm around his group of friends as well as online and I'm listening to what they're talking about and what's getting them pissed off and angry and and stuff like that so this is stuff that they're really thinking about and I think we all should really be thinking about. In what way does uh, the movement interact with the seeming campaign title, The Green Team? <laughs> um, it's kind of subtle at first, and then as it goes on, it'll be more and more, we're hoping. Uh, I'm a follower of your Tumblr, and uh, I'm a big fan of it, and it's amazing how active you are on it and how responsive you are, and I'm just curious if your interactions on there is influencing thoughts of the movement at all. As a writer, I think everything that we experience in our life gets in there somehow and then comes out at some point. I wouldn't say that specific things necessarily cause me to tell a specific story, but definitely trends do. Or like if I see someone who's cosplaying and they look really cool and, and they're like maybe a person of color or something and I want to bring something like that flavor into a book, I will ask their permission to use it as reference for the artist. I've done that a couple times because um, it's one thing to have a description of how I want this character. It's another thing to say this is, you know, basically what I want. So there's some of that going on. I enjoy the interaction. I enjoy hearing and meeting different people from all over the world. Being from a small town, it's wonderful that I have that opportunity that if I want to write a story in Singapore or South Africa or Barcelona or whatever, I can talk to people that are in those areas right on the ground and really help me out with getting the accuracy right. Because I'm not always right. I don't know everything. I haven't been exposed to everything and Tumblr will set me straight sometimes. <laughs> Obviously, Red Sonia, the movement, Leaving Megalopolis, you got a lot on your plate right now. Is there anything? Oh, and Batgirl. And coming back to Batgirl. Yeah. Is there anything else you've got going on? Those are the things that I can talk about currently. I am working with some other people on some different projects that I'm excited about, but we're working out scheduling and timing and all those kinds of things, so it's not, not time to talk about yet. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Gail. Thank you, guys. This is awesome. So this Megacon was a little bit blasé by comparison to last year, which was insane. Stan the man. Yeah, and the year before that was even more insane for me. You know, I was making out with dudes. That's right. It's true. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but you can expect us to have a, a big nerdy show presence this following year. It, despite how, how mellow we've been saying it was, it was actually, um, it filled up quickly. It filled up quicker than last year. And that's why we didn't have a booth. So we're definitely going to have a booth this coming year. And it's going to be uh, gigantic. Yeah, gigantic. Even an even bigger deal. Here, and we can, get, we can get Brian down again next year. That would be wonderful. I'll be there, sure. <laughs> Yay. Hooray. Unless I have to cancel. <laughs> oh no! Don't let him talk to Mark Wade anymore. <laughs> it's gonna rub off on him. Ooh. Um, anyway, let's cut to a track. What our glorious music director John Hex Carter has picked out for us here is a little something from Bill Prakapow of I Fight Dragons under his moniker Will Post. 
This is the very melodic and glitched out World on Fire.
Okay, so so now we're going to talk about the books we're reading, the stuff we're loving, things you should read, and, and all that jazz. If you want to know what comics to check out, this will be your segment. Hell yeah. Get the Hawkeye. Oh, yes. Oh, dear God, get the Hawkeye. Trade just came out. Go get it. Oh, yeah, man. I sold 10 copies of that in the first day. We're just reiterating what we said, but we can't say it enough. When it comes to Marvel and things you can just like pick up and enjoy, Hawkeye, Daredevil. Pretty much anything oh, yeah. on the Marvel Now line, almost. I mean, well, Marvel I Now is... Because Guardians of the Galaxy, I knew nothing about going into, for example. Just backing up a bit, basically the reason that the Daredevil and the Hawkeye are in their specific category is they're very artsy books that kind mm-hmm. of live in their own corner, so you can just read that and be happy with that. Guardians of the Galaxy, it's an ensemble cast piece. It's very much embedded in the Marvel Universe in a way the other books aren't. That's basically the, the distinction. But That's Guardians fair. of the Galaxy, fuck yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy... And I'm a guy who's followed all of Abnett Lanning's entire, like, multi-year space opera. And even still, new stuff, I'm all for it. Fuck yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Is there any way that we can get Star-Lord a theme song? Because I just want to really rock in 70s. Star-Lord! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Like, I want that, that audio sting every time he pops up in, for the first time in an issue. <laughs> we need to Something get... Um, can do that like, with the Marvel the augmented great, reality. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Like the greatest dancer, except with something about like space. I assume Stan Bush is affordable. The guy did the Transformers. Oh, songs. I love that. We'll just yes. we'll just commission him to do a Star Wars theme. Stan. <laughs> we'll get it. You know, we'll get it pressed. Like, we'll Your get- mom fucked an alien. <laughs> 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 we'll send it to Joe Casada. It'll be in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. No problem. But uh, Bendis actually called me yesterday. What? Shut up. Yeah. Because um, he saw the video where I was... You, yeah. you braggy, braggy braggerson. And, and it's specific about Guardians of the Galaxy I, I know, but it's, it's deserved, though, because that's, that's fucking cool. Yeah. He really liked how I was being supportive and promoting it and mentioned that it's not a reboot and that I, I even like put the exact panel up in my video where uh, Star-Lord's dad mentions that he was in Cancerverse, fought Thanos, was dead and came back somehow. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peter didn't want to explain himself to his dad, and essentially he didn't explain himself to the reader, but... Bendis is letting us know this did happen and I'm going to get back to it. Just give me a, a little bit of time. Like, I really think like maybe like the third arc is going to be whatever happened to Rich Ryder and, and we'll find out. And, you know, that's all good. <sighs> I so. hope so. I tell you what, I'm confused as hell by how much I like Nova. I didn't expect oh. to like that at all. Especially with that first name there, Mr. Jeff Loeb. It's just, yeah. it, it's confusing, especially because him and Ed McGinnis, whenever they team up, you generally guarantee just big, dumb action. And then instead of getting just big, dumb action, you have this father-son relationship that is so pitch perfect that you find yourself drawn into it without even realizing you're reading a Jeff Loeb book. Mm-hmm. And McGinnis's art, uh, it gets a lot like just He-Man figures, you know, just big, bubbly He-Man figures. And, and, you know, when Superman fought Bizarro in you know, <laughs> Superman Batman, it was like just, just it's, it was... 22 pages of like two He-Man figures being bashed together. Like I could do that myself with two He-Man figures and I'm not an artist. And then he but, does regularly every Nova, day. That's his no- accounting. but nova i mean that's the kid body type you have the raccoon body type you have all these different things going on that he's really stretching himself artistically with that book Mm -hmm. and it's 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 genius i i love it i'm just i'm still like why how 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 is it good and next week's thanos rising uh number one by jason aaron yeah i've read it um and it is so freaking good it's insane one thing kind of confuses me about this uh, recent surge for you know the space stuff i mean obviously we've got the guardians of the galaxy movie that we have to sort of you know make some comics to lead up to and all but uh what is up with the distant clock of all space trucking <laughs> i know right it's only a matter of time though isn't it i mean i think so i think that's what they're setting it up for you know they're, they're doing a huge multi-year 
36, 72 issue lead up to the Space return. Trucker. Okay, so the Space Trucker guy could pick the, up U- Rich US, Rider. U.S. Archer, U.S. Ace, depending yeah, on... Yeah, he could pick <laughs> up uh, Rich Nova hitchhiking. You know, it's, he's like making it. his path through the Cancerverse. Well, I mean, you he, know, he and Rocket are buddies. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's a fact. <laughs> He'll, yeah, that's true. I feel like it's a just a statistical improbability. If they spend X amount of time devoted to Marvel's base stuff... You can't not have U.S. Archer. I mean, this stuff would write itself. I mean, they could get an artist to, to write it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so be, I mean or, Bendis has or even... Or they could just knock on Brian Clevenger's door and say, you did such a good job in that all-ages thing. Boy, we'd sure love to have you write a space trucker for us. And I mean... Just a it, pipe dream. It's not like that's not out there. Bendis did include him in one of the... This was... I think it was New Avengers a little while yeah, ago. Yeah, that's true. He was... What? He was auditioning to be a babysitter? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Squirrel so, Girl got the job, but... Uh, it's okay. He tried. Okay. That just means that U.S. Archer is still looking for a job. Mm. Nah. <laughs> so when they need transport, just saying. I mean, he could smuggle the Guardians. I mean, they are outlaws. He could smuggle them, you know, like Han Solo. Oh, man, it's like Knight Rider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, this stuff would work. The entire Marvel Now line has been absolutely incredible. I think Marvel has succeeded in what they were trying to do. I think, it, well, I mean... It was launched as like a j- good jumping on point for most new readers, right? Mm-hmm. I Absolutely. mean, this, these storylines got so convoluted after a while, especially all the space stuff that well, everyone's approaching Guardians of the Galaxy. It. You know, the same writers were on Avengers, the same writers were on all the space stuff. And this mm-hmm. is like they shuffled the deck basically in right. a successful way. Especially with all the movies coming out, too. I feel like they're like with the Captain America book, they're taking a page out of Mark Wade's uh, like the whole man at a time thing. The new Iron Man series is touching on extremists. All these things are in the movies right now. Guardians of the Galaxy. So Marvel's got a good plan with Marvel now. But what's interesting about it is that it's it's more than just, you know, a relaunch of titles. Mm-hmm. It's totally a shaking up of concepts. Like you mentioned the Captain America thing. Captain America, as of like issue, what, six, five or so, he's spent a decade in an alternate reality with alien monsters trying to kill him and he's been raising a son. I mean, that is not how you with any 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 sane person launches a Captain America (laughs) book. And it's great. Yeah. Clearly, that's going to be the second movie. (laughs) they're calling it winter soldier is just like a test name can confuse people (laughs) they should call that nomad yeah right yeah (laughs) the long hair (laughs) just saw the trailer for um the wolverine and uh looked good looked really good i sure as hell hope that's not a letdown but uh (laughs) could be it seems like they're doing they're doing a few things right with it. It's not a prequel, so they're not beholden to any kind of actual any continuity they set up before. They can tell the story they want to tell without having to dovetail every into everything that's come before it. So didn't they do that last time? And it sucked. Yeah. No, that was still supposed to be a prequel. I oh. I can't stand that movie. I rented out a whole theater for it, and then like. During it, everyone's like grumbling and whatnot, and then afterwards, everyone's like, "It was my fault that the movie sucked because I rented a theater out for them to watch it." Which it's like, this is not my fault. I hated it probably more than you guys. I mean, come on, I'm one of you. This one from the trailer, it's kind of got to feel like any standalone Wolverine series would, where it starts and you're like, "I don't need to know where this takes place. It just kind of happens." Wolverine goes off sometimes. Yeah, right. And again, it goes back to Claremont's writing. He's in the, he's in the spotlight. Yeah, and with Days of Future Past too, the X Men movie. Man, I guess I'm helping you talk about all the sexual escapades. Right, (laughs) (laughs) the world's finally ready for it. Did we mention Young Avengers last time? If not, we should just say Young Avengers and Oh My God, it's so good. Yeah, holy shit! Just I love Young Loki, I really do. And the artist on that book has really captured 
just there's the art of the faces are so expressive you don't need the words to know what's going on the words are fantastic but you don't need them i don't have a comment on the art but i like that you know instead of just young avengers fighting old avengers you know like mm-hmm. they're want to do they have what teenagers actually teenagers real arch nemesis is, is their, their parents, parents. Yeah, yeah that's it's so simple like keep it simple and tell an awesome story i guess that's a anyway in a way a parallel to uh, runaways and since we aren't getting any runaways anytime soon it's a great uh, fit yeah, Runaways was great, man. What the hell? Happy stuff. Happy stuff. Happy stuff. <laughs> yeah, with, with the total Marvel now, though, what Tony mentioned before, it's like I, I, they let the the writers write whatever they want, and they're they're willing to take chances. Like this Young Avengers are, is a chance, you know, that they took on these creators that did you know phonogram and whatnot, and, and they let them do what they want, and it it hit. Yeah. Hey, hey, you guys had a great indie book. How about something completely different with characters that are off many people's radars, but we'll put the book in the spotlight. Why the hell not? They did a great job. Now it's not all hits. I mean, there's still things like Cable and X Force, or is that is that what it's called? I, yeah. I started reading it. I couldn't. I Morbius. Just, I, I I like those characters, and I don't like what's happening with them. Yeah, Morbius is a is a not particularly interesting book, despite having a great writer. It's nothing on, say, Superior Spider-Man or Indestructible Hulk. But even when it doesn't hit, at least we don't have this idea that it didn't hit because of editorial interference. Yeah, it didn't hit because not everything hits. Yeah, which is a story that didn't interest us as opposed to a story that could have been told a different way and you know that it could have instead of a story that didn't interest its own writer by the time (laughs) it came out (laughs) the only concern that I have with Marvel now is the double shipping and sometimes these stories sometimes you have to read seven titles to get the complete picture of the storyline they have going on Mm -hmm. right now and I know that Marvel now is set up as a jumping on point like I said and I just, I, you know, I don't know what's happening yet, but I worry that for some new readers, it could get confusing again very fast, especially when you're getting two to three books a month sometimes. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, you'll know a year from now, but. They launched it strong like that with the double shipping. And some of it, I think, is because they canceled so many books and they have to have at least, you know, X amount of books coming out. So they double ship that, you know, I'm looking at the June list and. Doesn't look like anything is shipping double in June, but they certainly launched it that way. Yeah. So. And I mean, DC suffered the same way in, when they launched the new 52, only their confusion happened a lot faster, in my mm-hmm. opinion, because they, they made a very public announcement. Yes, we're restarting everything. And they didn't restart everything. They restarted some things and it was like, what the, what the, it was just plot line. And, and no one knows right? what anything is. No and one knows the stakes know. are. No we one knows who the characters are. And we still don't know. Yes. Marvel now, it was kind of this soft reboot. It was just, you know, we've got these new titles coming out. We've got these new creative teams mm-hmm. and it just, it led into it very and it looks a bit like the movies. Just yeah, enough. Basically. Yeah. Right. But the movies are made for the average person in society and where the comics were kind of. Yeah. And I'm fucking Iron Man. Tony's in space. Like, that's <laughs> that's crazy, you know? Like, that they've made it accessible, and yet somehow so made it... Yeah, yeah, they do wackadoo ideas, but mm-hmm. the characters are accessible. That's Marvel now. It's awesome. Where DC was doing more kind of pedestrian ideas, but accessible, uh, you know? Like, wait, wait, no, I'd say, I'd say accessible within a trail of, like, five question marks. <laughs> <laughs> How about some indies? We just got okay. uh, Hickman's East of West just came out. Holy shit. You know, everyone's, we, everyone's praising this. I gotta jump on it. Are you, you haven't read this yet? No, not yet. It's oh, so just, good. Just flip through it right now. <laughs> Fucking flip through it. I hear nothing but good things. Just, this is just the first issue and how he launches this, this whole different world, this alternate world and characterization and all this action and 
and just enough flashbacks, you know, to fill in what we need to know. And of course, the nice little like map graph thing on the in, on the back inside oh cover. God. I mean, uh, okay, I mean, it's this it's this compelling juxtaposition of genres where it's post apocalyptic western future end of days type thing going on. It's a story about the four horsemen of the apocalypse set in an alternate reality future america america where there was like a a celestial event that ended the civil war and left a fractured america that has seven territories in it there's a union there's a confederacy there's a land that's run by indians there's a land that's run by chinese uh and there's texas but like our america and the accessibility part is the things that divide us are stronger than the things that unite us that's the the theme of that and Mm -hmm. it's like yeah all these people are willing to die for these different religions and different causes of these seven things but even though they all are willing to you know sacrifice themselves for these greater ideas they're more willing to kill each other for those greater ideas so <laughs> the things that unite them are the things that divide them and it, it's really good and it's it's got such great characterization and the art nut in me just absolutely i lose it every single page it's drop dead gorgeous and you get such a variety of expressions and character poses that really kind of sell you who these people are when you're introduced to the three or to three of the horsemen of the apocalypse they're kids and you watch these kids doing these hideous things and it's kind of like watching the young hellfire club that's going on in wolverine and the x-men only without hating them as much it's kind of like wonder shows and <laughs> get that get in on east of west because this is a it'll I have probably not, be sold out by the time we get this up in a couple days reserve your second print copy because i haven't been this excited about a new book from image since saga yeah, and same here you guys still actively following morning glories i am man 25 I, was a doozy yeah i tell you what uh this book I, I still love it but at every successive issue it gets harder and harder to read Unless like, I feel like after this is done, I'm mandatorily going to have to go back and read it all in one sitting again because there's so many plot threads now. It is hard to. I mean, it's brilliant. I don't know if I'm as, getting as it. a monthly serialization. It does get kind of hard it, to keep track of everything it, when you've got three I, other. I series don't know if I have following. the big picture in my head anymore. I think I may have lost it. <laughs> I reread 25 three or four times to kind of remind myself where things were and I still don't have the entire big picture, but I was able to put together everything and it's like this issue answered a lot of the questions that I've had since issue one and then raised a whole bunch more. And it, I still feel like Spencer knows where this is going. This book, it more than anything, it reminds me of Lost. It reminds me of Lost when I loved Lost the most. And Spencer, you know, we interviewed him a, a couple of years ago when the book started and, you know, he looked me in the eyes and said that he knew how this was going to end. He had it all plotted out already. And I believe him. And it's a finite series. He knows roughly what issue it's going to end at. And um, I read this and I'm like, this is incredible. I'm confused as hell, but I, but I love it. This is not going to let me down. You know, like, I, don't, I don't think that this is going to be a waste of time. I think it's going to be a really incredible story once it's all put together. Right now, more than ever, I'm feeling like, man, I should really just wait till this is over, though. <laughs> hey, Brian. Hey, Kat. You're on the creator side of things. You socialize with people on Twitters and stuff. Is there anything we should be watching out for in the uh, indie circuit? I don't know nothing. You don't know nothing? I sit in a, in a dank cave with a one bar of Wi-Fi and type into the darkness. <laughs> Marvel Now is my, uh, is my pick right now. I'm back into Marvel Now, the Galaxy books, Guardians okay. of the Galaxy, Thanos. That's it. That's what I'm excited. I was yeah. on a Batman kick forever. And now I'm on, uh, I'm looking forward the most, I would say. With... It's a good place to be. Yeah. Marvel's having a lot of fun. Image is putting out like nonstop hits. I mean, I'm, I'm still loving Saga. 
every single issue packs so much right. in its pages. Oh, yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Walking Dead. So is... glad Lion Cat's not dead. By the oh, way. oh dear God! <laughs> when that when that final panel happened, I nearly wept. It was like no. Of all the characters, you could, I, I was okay with the stalk. I was okay with that. I was even okay Don't with do with it. the dad. But Lion Cat, he didn't. It wasn't do his fault, man. He, he was just at the wrong place at the wrong time with a vengeful ex bitch. Legend of Luther Strode. It's a six issue miniseries. I love love Trad Moore's art. It is so visceral, so violent. Did we talk about Aaron getting killed last last? episode i don't know i got killed on the cover it was awesome yeah Aaron, Aaron did. On, it was on the one cover of the, it was a issue two day. Three. three three i know at least the first three phantom variants all linked together with luther going through and murdering various comic professionals that's awesome you're professional you had it coming I've died three times now in comics. pretty privileged yeah that's a that's an exclusive club I don't know how many people. Not really. Like every comic character dies three, five times. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh man, he's back. just he's trying to catch up to Guy Gardner. That's his goal. <laughs> so if you guys are into any of these books that we're talking about, you know, talk to us on the forums, hit us up on Facebook, or shout at us on Twitter. But you know, if you're reading something that we haven't discussed, you want to know what we think about it, ask us. We'll tell you. And if we haven't read it, we'll you know we'll check it out. Nerdy Show is listener supported, as you well know. And uh, if you don't, we're listener supported and uh, you make this show and all the other shows in the network possible. And we are eternally grateful. March has been an incredible month for contributions. The hell is wrong with you guys? Whatever it is, keep doing it. Yeah, you guys are serious. You guys are way cool. Tell you what, we got a we got a D&D recording coming up. And the only way we could guarantee that Lefty Loose would be able to be on it was if we flew her down. And uh, you guys took care of that. So boom, well, half of it was a comp ticket that I had and the other half was you guys. So thank you very much. Uh, we're trying our <laughs> damnedest to get D&D out there. I've given shout outs to everybody who's contributed in March so far, but um, I haven't said thanks yet to uh, Caitlin Kruger, who uh, who supported us recently. She said student loans suck. Tax returns don't have some money and keep being awesome. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you so, so much. And also to everybody, uh, this episode comes out April 1st. It's uh, not an April Fool's joke. And Some of the news we leaked might have been. <laughs> no. We'll let you decide which. <laughs> no, we, uh, we we don't have any um, irritating fake episodes this year. <laughs> Something else has happened, but, well, it's more fun than irritating. Um, <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> Come next episode, I will give shout outs to everybody all at once who supported us in March because you guys have been just so, so, so awesome. But for this recording, March isn't over yet. So uh, that'll be coming next episode. And, uh, you know, stay tuned for some other cool stuff coming up. We are putting together our long awaited episode on giant monsters and their natural enemies, which will have some very awesome guests. That's for you, Shadow Man. I, I can't say exactly who yet because I don't want to say anything that I shouldn't say, but it will be way cool and you are going to like it. I can guarantee it. And then after that, our slate will be clean for episodes that have been requested by uh, listeners. So we may have to unveil in the coming months another support drive where you guys choose a topic for us to discuss for an episode. And so uh, look forward to that. I'm an expert on death and divorce if you want to pick either of those. (laughs) (laughs) And the the occasional comic book still, right? You haven't left that behind? No, no, I was just putting that other stuff out there <laughs> okay this isn't i mean it's just it's important to know so. oh man yeah we're gonna get an, an episode called morbid truth with aaron <laughs> i'll bring on like funeral directors and divorce lawyers as well <laughs> just talking about sad, that's what nerdy show comic show is all about <laughs> sadness <laughs> hey it's a gimmick just like the comics do <laughs> all right so this is the track we're going to be going out on what i got for you is some new word burglar 
This is from his upcoming G.I. Joe-themed album, Welcome to Cobra Island. He released a three-song EP to get everybody stoked for the album on Bandcamp recently. We'll link to that on this episode's page. And this track is called Rap Viper. It's just a sneak peek into what we can expect from the new album, and we're all pretty damn excited. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Brian. Bye, I'm Adam. Bye, I'm Tony. Bye, I'm Aaron. Goodbye, Aaron. Bye. Listening to Nerdy Show. Mm. Nerdy Show is made possible by a comic shop, Nerdapalooza, the generous support of sexy listeners like you. As listener supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, mm. rating and reviewing us on iTunes, uh. making a contribution to our monthly support drive, or just mm. making sweet, sweet love. Any extra-sized contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show audio and mm, images and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com slash support to chip in. 
for more episodes of Nerdy Show, as well as other fine, fine programming, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes Store. And for the latest news, follow us on all of your favorite sexy social networks.